I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, lounging adjacent the satellite branch from Scenic Hamilton, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. I think it should be Caitlin Smile When You Talk McKinnon. <laughs> There's one thing you can always bank up. There's one lesson. There's one lesson we have always remembered on this podcast. Always smile when you talk. If there's one gem, if there's one gem, any aspiring audio content producers out there want to glean from the Geek Down podcast, I mean, I'm sure it's like basic broadcasting one-on-one you can learn anywhere, but always smile when you talk. I don't know. I, I, that was definitely an unknown tip from Linda McKay (laughs) that I got there. Listen, listen. (laughs) Is it the only advice I've ever received? It's it's not, it's not for me to say. It's not for me to say. (laughs) You saw me walk up to it, and I almost did, I, I, and then I walked I it back. Bikes. It was like it was like one of those like what are they called? Fill in the blanks, Mad crazy word, madlib. <laughs> Just mother mad. Hey, happy Mother's Day! It's gonna be after the fact, so if you didn't call your mom on Sunday, You're you better call person. her now and apologize. <laughs> but yeah, it's Mother's Day, so this is good timing. <laughs> happy Mother's Day to a belated. Out of time, Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, what episode is this, Kate? I have no idea. My notes say 282, so let's go with that. Uh, this is episode 282 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you would like to listen to any of our other 281 episodes, you can find them wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Swing on over. Hit rate, review, follow, subscribe. Push us up the algo so we can make new friends. And henceforth, you and our new friends will never miss an episode because they're going to be brought to you, sprinkled from the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your mans. Chauncey Frostilicus III, geek down internet elf. Girl, he loves to deliver those episodes. The weather is beautiful this weekend. Yeah. He loves delivering episodes, the beautiful weather, making flower crowns. (laughs) And that is basically what getting an episode. But like... But like, like nice flower crowns, like Coachella flower crowns, not Midsommar flower crowns. <laughs> yes. There will be no blood eagles on the Geek Down podcast. <laughs> there will be no no weird human sacrifices. Oh, Ari Aster, I'm sure you're a wonderful person. My only engagement with your work is Wikipedia synopses, and even those keep me up at night, so. <laughs> wow. I've seen, like, three clips of Midsommar, and I, like, have nightmares about them. Goodbye. No, thank you. There's enough horror in our real world. I thank mean, you. I mean, you don't need to get that here. You can find lots of other places. But as always, we hope we can provide you with a respite. Friends, if you'd like to tell us how you're managing the horror of your contemporary life, hit us up on Twitter.com slash GeekDownPod. That is where the show lives on the social means for the time being. I mean, I'm too lazy to migrate it anywhere else, and nobody's going to start a reasonable alternative. So, I guess we're you just we're just stuck with the Elon. You know, you know what? Okay, well, this is more of a Facebook thing than anything else. But do you remember when Google had tried to launch their own like Facebook spaces? Was it spaces? Circles? No, 
a circle, maybe it was circles. I, I can't remember what it was called, but basically this would be the time. If you guys have that in your back pocket, I this, mean, this is yeah. the time and place. Little market saturation when you tried it last time, but the lane is open. The lane is open. So open. People are looking for alternatives. I literally deep dive, see if I could like resurrect it. I was like, can I get this somehow? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> Caitlin out there trying to see if her friendster login still works. So basically, I, I, I equate it to like, so Facebook's the old mall of social media. Mm. I want to go to the like the farmers market of social media. Like, I want to get those fresh apples. Twitter is the yeah. So if Facebook is the old mall. Twitter is like the bar that used to be cool, and then like a lot of out of towners found it. Yeah, and they start they start coming to it. It's like when the Woodbridge kids come downtown. They're like, who are these people? Who Why are they, they dressed like this? Who are these people? The most creative name they could ever come up with is their first name in a sequence of numbers. You're not a bot at all, friends. If you like to support this endeavor financially, so Caitlin can buy stock in Google and uh, appeal to them at the next board of directors meeting to reinstate spaces or circles or whatever the hell it was called. You can support this endeavor financially, ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Throw three bucks in the old tip jar. We always appreciate any donations that are made to this process. Maybe one day we'll see each other in person again. That could be fun. That would be nice. And the liberals aren't reelected yet, so uh, $1 transit is not not on the docket yet, y'all. Brief, no. brief provincial politics talk. Friends, there's been a thing lately where like the current uh, conservative government has just been like blatantly pandering. To the populace to try to win votes, because otherwise so they probably better. wouldn't. So they got rid of some optional fee type things, um, and you know I think they got elected on the promise of buck a beer. And now the liberals, the competing liberals, are trying the next best thing, which is <laughs> I love my I love my current MPP, who is a member of the uh, third party, the NDP, the New Democrats. Um, but the liberals are flouting dollar transit for a few years, and I'm like. <laughs> You might sway me back, y'all. Probably not, but you might. Well, except they have a history of like making these really lofty, <laughs> not doing anything they say they're going to promises. do. No, no, they're like it, like the land of milk and honey. Except <laughs> they, the honey's like twenty dollars, and they, the milk might be off. <laughs> they they basically steal the platform from the NDP and then don't do any of it. There yeah. you go. That's everything you know need to know about Canadian provincial politics. Enough of that, friends. This is going to be a beefy episode today, so we are gonna. It might be. Have a bit of a speedy feel here because we have a throwback to see we each brought in something in the back half so the back half is going to be yeah. beefy and kate's just like bursting with news today apparently i am i'm bursting at the seams this, also hmm. also sometimes even though this podcast is all about beefy boys only we have to manage it you have to manage your beef you need, you need appropriate beef management. <laughs> can't just have your beef just spilling all over the place. Um, I do have one story I want to tell briefly because it was so bizarre and it happened to me just yesterday. So my general workaday schedule is ass crack of dawn and then I get off around, you know, noon, one o'clock. Beautiful. Makes me, means pumpkin o'clock is 6 p.m., but that's fine. <laughs> I can live with that. And after work... Like I said, it's a beautiful weekend. The weather is lovely. This city really wants it to be summer real bad. Real bad. 
holy shit you got you got 13 degrees in sunshine and it's like put it away everyone we are not there yet it's you will may get frostbite. it's you may. will get frostbite if you put it like that. all away tropical shirts flower prints no we're not <laughs> ma'am sir we're not there yet put it all away uh but i wanted to go down to uh figure to hit up rotate this which is a record store in toronto because Daft Punk's debut album, Homework, got repressed. Rest in peace to Daft Punk. But thank you for leaving because perfumes got music has gotten exponentially better ever since you retired. Um, <laughs> as Caitlin loves to point out. But I briefly hemmed and hawed about this because, oh, yeah, do I need it? And in my brain, there was a part that went, you dummy, how many sweaty Saturdays did you dance to around the world? Yes, you need a copy of Homework in your library. So I wanted yes. to go to uh, Rotate This, which was on, is on Ossington, because uh, their prices are generally pretty good on, on uh, newer stuff. So I went there. They had it. Boom. Great. And I, I walked down to Queen. Again, beautiful, beautiful day. Lots of doggos on the streets. I had, I had my book with me because <laughs> the Dilatime book that I've been reading for eight years, uh, he's actually coming at the end of the month there's going to be some event i don't know i'll update y'all if i go or if it happens uh but i figured i should finish the book before before then and because it's remains fraught for me i read it in a very short burst but i went down to jimmy's coffee at queen and ossington which used to be my when i worked overnights it was my go-to sometimes if i was when i was working on um that thing that may or may not ever come out <laughs> i would go to i would go to jimmy's after my overnight shifts at like 6 30 mm. post up there for a couple hours good vibes good space good seating areas um and the coffee's good it's so, it's so important to find a good coffee place it really is i've since learned that apparently the proprietors of jimmy's are terrible people but i mean it's it's just life so so i stop in there get a cold brew i'm a cold brew guy now kate afternoon afternoon cold brew that's me now no you are not i don't know when that happened but you know what you know what it's fine you're a cold brew guy i love pumpkin spice sometimes being a basic bitch is fun it's like the, yeah, it's like the dude equivalent of a basic bitch, but I saw the cold brew there. I was like, serve it up. So only only one barista working there. And I'd been there for about 20, 25 minutes and, you know, milking it because I haven't done this in a while. So you best believe I'm going to be nursing that shit for a couple hours. Um, It wasn't a couple hours, but <laughs> be that as it may. She, at one point, the barista comes down and I had to sit in like a front table. Jimmy's, is, this Jimmy's is kind of like long and narrow. And there's a few seats at the front near the window, and then it kind of more seats deeper in uh, in the back. But she comes, I'm up by a table near the door, and she comes up, and at one point, she locks the door and just walks away. Um. And I'm like, am I dying today? <laughs> <laughs> or do I work here now? <laughs> do, 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 do I get an apron? Like, what are we doing? Um, and, and I'm facing the window. Because I always face the door. That's just the thing with me. I don't know what it is. I don't know what that part of me is. I have two things. I, I can never leave my house until I check, like, every plug that I deem needs to be unplugged. I have to do that. And I always need to face the door. Because if a gunfight breaks out, I want to be able to. Because <laughs> you've been in so many gunfights. Yeah. You know, if an old Western saloon shootout starts, I want to be able to flip the table and get behind it before anyone else, apparently. And that's probably my... drag me with you because I'm trying to film it. <laughs> that's, that's my... Ooh, cowboys. That's my... <laughs> That's, that's my best guess at the logic behind this behavior, but I'm facing the window and I kind of like glance behind her and she's sitting there just on her phone. So I believe this was her, her like staking a claim to take a break. 
So like I said, she was the only one there. No one else was around. Um, right. So maybe she just wanted to take a break and there was no one to cover for her. So she just locked us all in there. <laughs> <laughs> Which I kind of respect. Um, but also, I'm in the window. So people keep coming and pulling on the door and peering in at me like I'm in a fucking aquarium. Like <laughs> I told you, you are now an employee. <laughs> it's your job to tell them that and you're just, not a Watching these Lululemon Karens like whip their phones out and trying to call in the building, and she's just ignoring it. <laughs> and I'm just there, face down at my book. Like when a homeless guy starts screaming on the bus, I'm just like, just just keep looking at the book. Anyway, eventually she reopened the door, and somebody came in, and she admitted she confessed to this person she knew um, that she was <laughs> trying to take a break. And she's like, yeah, I just locked the door for like a half hour. And I'm like, it was a, it was a half an hour. Oh my God. <laughs> so that was my excitement yesterday. <laughs> there's there's, there's a life update story and around the world still slaps, by the way. Yeah, always. Behind the scenes of the video making went up on YouTube recently, like recently. I'm sure that footage has been around forever and probably released other places, but they put it up on, they put it up on YouTube recently. I have yet to watch it, but I have a. Uh, it was by Michelle Gondry directed it, and I have it on what people in the know always seem to know, which was this series of DVDs that came out called the Directors Series or the Directors Label, right. which was just about music video directors. Oh. And I think they did two box sets. It was like Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry, Jonathan Cunningham, like the guy who did uh, all the Apex Twin videos and stuff like that. Mark Romanek, who was a crazy video director in the nineties and early outs. They're great sets. And did they do the? They did the one who who did like the Nine Inch Nails video is that one of the if you're talking about closer yeah that was mark romanek he did that one so yeah that's, that's on there he also he did like the nine Inch nails video he did jay jackson got told it's gone which is one of my favorite videos spike jones is obviously you know buddy holly and the funk by daft punk um gondry does chemical brothers i mean it's a great it's a great series if you can still find them i don't know if they're i mean what dvs are ever in print anymore um but yeah if you ever find them at like a thrift shop or something i would Highly recommend picking those up. They're very good. And even as a as I call <laughs> certain lanes of physical media, I will probably never get rid of those because I just like having them around. They're they're a good chill hang on a, on and, a Sunday Sunday. And you got to say, at least, like the '90s really was the like that's when music videos got epic. Yes, I would I would say. I mean, I think it's like like a prayer came out in the early '90s and. That was like lifeblood to my five-year-old heart. So. Uh, I think it was early 90s. might have been late 80s. But anyways, it was, was, it was just it was around that time where they really got good. Um, so moving in along, because also, uh, you know, we have to call our moms today because we're recording on Mother's yeah. Day. Uh, starting with the news with a, with a brief but sad update. Uh, and that has to do with the passing of uh, legendary comic book artist George Perez who passed away this last Friday at the age of 67 from pancreatic cancer. Um, he had uh, revealed his diagnosis, I believe, last December. And it was inoperable, and he ultimately made the uh, call to forego treatment and just not have his remaining days uh, piled up with hospital stays and doctor's appointments and things like that. Um According to a statement from his family, he passed peacefully, surrounded by his loved ones, which is, I mean, is there a better way to go? 
no, I don't think so. Um, George Perez, if you're not, he never really got his shine in like Hollywood at large, I think, but for like comic book people, people who grew up reading comic books, George Perez is legendary. Um, and also I have yet to see anyone have anything bad to say about him. Which is really nice, this day and age. Perez was notable to me anyway. He had legendary runs at DC and Marvel, but he was always that guy who, if you needed to do the poster or the book jacket with like everyone in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was the guy who drew everyone. So if you needed every character in the DC universe to appear in something, he he was the guy to call cuz he could comp- he could compose it and he could make everybody look good and he knew who to put where like he was just And oftentimes when you see that type of cover, it looks really muddy. Mm-hmm. But he had a way of making all the color look really good and clean. Yeah. And I think he inked himself as well, um, which at the time he was working was kind of rare. And he kind of got that reputation because he was the guy who um, did Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was the first attempt to kind of organize a multiverse. <laughs> um, yeah. And this was from DC Comics in the 80s. Um, as they. DC was, you know, despite Doctor Strange, um, I believe DC was the first to really experiment with the idea of a multiverse as they tried to organize, like, well, Superman's been around since the 30s, but then we have three Green Lanterns. We had a Green Lantern who was actually carried a lantern in the 30s, and now we have the guy with the ring in the 60s. Like, we need to organize all this. So they're <laughs> just like, those guys are on a different universe, different timeline, different everything. Got really complicated over the years when they started crossing over... Um, all the, the flat don't even start on the flashes. The flashes are a whole other thing under themselves. Um, and in an attempt to organize that, they, they did this big, like universe smashy, smashy thing in the eighties called crisis on infinite earth. George Perez drew it. And notably on the success of that, when they were like, DC was like, you can do whatever you want. Shit. What, what, what do you want to do? He picks wonder woman, which is not traditionally probably what people would have gone for. Because other people are lame. <laughs> he wanted Wonder Woman. He wanted to reinvigorate Wonder Woman. And he really worked in the Greek god aspect of that character a lot more. Um, and his his 80s run on Wonder Woman was super, super important. Um, and was not the easy, not the easy money, shall we say. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. He could have gone on Batman and made a bajillion dollars. But he uh instead he chose to go with wonder woman other notable uh bullet points from his cv he co-created the taskmaster who we have since seen in the in the mcu and most importantly the best lineup of teen titans <laughs> and yes not- notably he is uh responsible for um the 80s incarnation of the teen titans and the new titans um which people still cite to this day as just one of the best runs uh, with those characters. Um, yeah, just from all accounts, just a sweet, sweet man and lived a good full life and went out on his own terms. And that's, and I mean, who could possibly argue with that? We raise a glass to you, George Perez, your influence, uh, looms large through pretty much everybody, uh, putting pencil to paper in the comic book industry today and will not be soon forgotten by any means. So, for me personally, think he did the Infinity Gauntlet as well. The original, uh, he started it. I think it, I think the publishing schedule, many had to bow out halfway through. But I mean, 
he was, again, it's one of those stories that had a million characters in it fighting all the time. <laughs> and he, the way he could organize a sequence and, and a panel. Yeah. And yeah, he's just super, super compelling. And definitely one of those artists who like you immediately recognizable, which is, which is also, um, so important. Yeah. He was, he, I never, I would never cite him as one of like knee jerk, one of my favorite artists growing up. But I mean, he was just such a, he was a, like a pillar of it, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's like he was at the core of so much that other people I liked did that it seemed redundant to mention him, you know, like, right. so Kate says she has happy news. Kate lift us up. I do. Um, so I'm very excited because they've announced the newest doctor. Oh, Oh, I did not know this. Jody yes. Jody Whitaker has concluded. Yes, well, she's bowing out, and I think this has been known for a while. I don't think that's a surprise. She's done it for quite a few years. I haven't watched basically any. I've watched maybe the first little bit of Jody Whitaker, but it was like hard to find, and then there was so much else on. Um, so uh, I might uh, senior correspondent Chris and I might pick it up. Uh, this summer, because hopefully there won't be as many releases. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, Jody Whitaker is bowing out, and um, Nakuti Gatwa um, has been cast as the latest uh, Doctor, um, which is very exciting. Uh, I know the actor from the show Sex Education. Okay. Um, and he is like absolutely fabulous i'm really really excited um he's like super charming and super energetic and i think he'll like breathe uh new life well obviously new life into the doctor um not that jody whitaker was bad i i get frustrated because a lot of the time people are like well this you know she wasn't as good of a doctor you know a lot of that depends on the writing and the directing um so uh, Russell T. Davies is back to um, uh, to do the show running. I don't know how how I feel about that. I have some issues with Russell T. Davies, but he obviously loves Doctor Who, and he's very excited to work um, with Gatwa. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm very thrilled about that. Um, uh, I am expecting backlash because uh, Gatwa happens to be black. What? Um, I know. Um, and so to that end, I just want to say, cause I, I thought I knew who you were talking about, but I just did a quick, uh, Googles or Fugles shout to someone cute while I was, uh, while you were talking and <laughs> found some tweet that said a story in three acts, well played doctor at doctor BBC, doctor who. And the first it's three images and it's a tweet from, uh, at Tiana, the writer saying LMAO, they know our ass is going to flock to watch that blue phone box show. Now they got us. <laughs> Doctor Who replies, do we have to change our bio to that blue phone box show now? <laughs> and they did. Good. The official home of that blue phone box show on Twitter. <laughs> Everyone's changing their names. Beefy Boys, uh, Blue Phone Box Show. Yeah. So get get informed, my people. <laughs> Support representation. You gotta start watching Doctor Who. Yeah, all all of us. Um but he is a, a fabulous actor, um, and again, just so charismatic and compelling. So I'm very excited about that. 
Um, other news, uh, we've gotten our first look at the Paper Girls TV series. Oh. Um, we, we read the first issue. We, for the first, oh God. For the podcast, Caitlin, I've been doing this show since my beard <laughs> was not gray. I, I don't recall. I think we had. We've been doing this show for like 20 years, right? I think, I think, I think sometime back in the 80s, we talked about Paper Girls. <laughs> Uh, I, th- I think we did a full episode of it because it was a Brian K. Vaughn comic, so of course we were gonna we were yes. gonna talk about it. Yeah. Um, so Paper Girls is about four girls in the eighties who get caught in this, I guess, like time, time alien, war. yeah, kind of thing. Um, and uh, and it. Both the comics and now definitely the just the again this is a first look thing this is not even a trailer um, it has vibes that you could definitely compare to Stranger Things mm. and people have yes a yes, lot. yes yes Paper Girls came out a full year before Stranger Things did um, and unf- I think unfairly it's going to be put up against Stranger Things, but thankfully Stranger Things is ending. (laughs) I feel like this is a good time to be like, oh, well, since you like Stranger Things, watch this show. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Um, Now, the 80s is only one setting of the story. Um, It does move around time a lot more, um, so I think that's going to be in its favor. Um, But anyways, I'm I'm excited, and that was just a bit of fun, good news. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Um, And finally, and and almost most importantly, uh, Quantum Leap is getting a reboot. What? (laughs) The show that starts. uh, Bacula. They can't. Uh, they just can't leave anything. <laughs> they can't leave anything. Scott Bacula is like he's the darling of sci-fi nerds <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I guess he a hundred percent is. Um, and it stars a, an actor I like, Raymond Lee. Uh, he was in Kevin Can Fuck Himself and a couple of other things. Um, he. It plays Dr. Ben Song or Siong. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just excited because it's Quantum Leap. And I love that show when I was a kid. I mean, I listen, I sound, I sound like I'm hating, but I've probably seen a, a lot of Quantum Leap. We all life. did because they played it all the time. And because we were indoor kids and I think it was on Friday nights. So. Yeah. Or I, I think I remember watching it on like Sunday afternoon. Like like the re the re repeats um i was you know who doesn't want to watch a show about someone being zapped all over time to rewrite wrongs yes so so the premise of quantum leap is yes every week he would zap or leap into uh the body of someone in a different time period he was basically loose from his own body His, his spirit would just zap into the bodies of other people throughout time uh, the notable ones um, uh, throughout the series that I remember is like when they would really touch on like historical stuff. Like, yeah, um, he was in like Marilyn Monroe's security guard once or something like um, and he has to figure out what wrong he has to write. And the ones like that, it was always like it's never the major thing. Right. 
your goal is not to keep Marilyn Monroe from overdosing. It had to do with something else. Um, yeah. Now I'm making the show sound like it's a fucking masterpiece. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, it's an yeah. okay show. It's, you know what it was? It was all, something very comparable. It was Sliders. Yes. Which was like one of the only sci-fi shows that was any good that was on when I was a kid. And I've seen so many episodes of Sliders. It wasn't amazing, but it was it was good. And it talked about like cool things. And there was, you know, every episode, you know, Monster of the Week, Problem of the Week. Um, so there's something to be said for the, those types of shows. Anyways, I'm very excited because uh, I'm a big dork. Um, and basically that's, that's my... That's my news. Caitlin, last question before updates. Yeah. How are we feeling about the Obi-Wan trailer? Uh, I didn't watch the new one. I don't care. But Obi-Wan's your favorite character. He is my favorite character. But, like, he was my favorite character when that it was just over there. <laughs> and, like, it was it was done and he was, he was there. Um, and he was on Tatooine and he was looking after Luke. But now he's here. But I, I don't. He was over I there, and now he's here, Caitlin. I know he's in my face, yeah. and I'm like Obi Wan. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like in your face, and you know what he's saying? What's what? he saying, Kate? Hello there. Uh, hello there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I obviously I had not seen the prequel, so I didn't know that was a thing. Thank you for bringing that to my life. I will find any excuse to use a uh, Ewan McGregor. Hello there. <laughs> Drop. Hello there. Um. I will say my favorite moment of the trailer: two things. One, a city. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. not a desert planet. Um, and the moment where he's talking to, I presumably, Uncle Owen and saying, he needs to be trained. And Uncle Owen is like, like you trained his father? And then all these brothers came out in the back and were like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh god, Snap, snap, snap! <laughs> Yes, I, I. The only thing I really hope for this series, I hope, you know, I hope it's good. I hope it's enjoyable. I think, you know, talk about squeezing blood from a stone. <laughs> um, I just hope that Hayden Christensen gets his due. You know, you know what a flex um, would be. You know what the total flex would be. What is if the next Disney Plus Star Wars show was like about General Phasma? See, fucking do that. Fucking, you want? We wanna, don't know you, you wanna, anything about that lady. You want to? You want to be getting your fingers into the muck of uh, of Star Wars lore? No, you did this shit to yourself. You got to play in the new trilogy now. Go yeah. make that good. Yeah. That's what you should be doing instead of all this fan service bullshit. You can have that one for free. I'm not even putting it on the board. <laughs> Please <laughs> just take it. Um, we don't want it anymore. Um, yeah, so I, I don't care. <laughs> I, oh, but there is some, I do have my personal exciting news before mm. we get into updates. Um, I think we're going to go start to go see movies. Oh. Um. We'll see how that pans out. We'll see how comfortable <laughs> I am. Listen, it's weird out there, y'all. It's real weird. I've, I've said before on Mike that I'm trying to, like, you know, manage my pandemic ex- anxieties, and I'm generally pretty good. If I'm outdoors, I don't, like, mask as stringently. Eating out, still weird. Definitely went for tacos with someone cute last week. Year of Tacos 2022. Um, <laughs> and we were down in Kensington, and... It's definitely that one. She like big me up later. She's like, "Look at you! You haven't been masking much at all today." I was like, "It was a little rough at the restaurant because <laughs> it was like a, <laughs> it was like a wait and get your shit and then take it back to a table t- kind of vibe." Um, right. 
And it's definitely a moment where, like, nobody had a mask on. And I'm just in there like, so this is what we do now, huh? We're just all going to stand here just, like, breathing in everybody's shit, huh? You can breathe in my shit. I'm going to breathe in your shit. This is just, I don't even know you. Um, give, me, give, me, give, them, give me them droplets. Give me them droplets. Where I work, they keep, they, every, every so often. So when we came back, but we were still, like, masked and wanting to wear, make sure everyone was protected, I got, like, a plexiglass sort of. Mm, yeah. Um, se- separator on my desk, which was great because I'm sort of front facing. We don't get a ton of people in our office, but it does happen. And someone like maybe a month ago mentioned like, Oh, Hey, you're going to be able to take that off. Like down now. I was like, don't you dare. The fuck I will. <laughs> I like freaked out. It's happened a couple of times. We were like, Oh, you can take this down now. I'm like, you touch that and I will kill you. Girl. I'm here to tell Literally. you, I don't know what was happening on Ossington. Like I said, I was, I was on, I took the street, I took the subway to Ossington. I was going to take the bus down to Dundas to hit that record store. And I watched the bus was late and I watched people pile on that bus. And I was like, you know what? It's I'll get my steps in today. Yeah. Shouts to Dr. Linda. I'm not, I'm nope. (laughs) I've had, I've had my time of like sardine mashing on a fucking bus. I I don't want the feel of someone nudging past me anymore. I ain't had that in two years. We're not, we're not looking to bring that back anyway. Yeah pandemic update uh kate you don't care about obi-wan what do you care about um i care about uh stumbling into amazing adaptations of agatha christie novels oh lord you have there's, um, there's still ones you haven't discovered yet yeah well this one is a new one 2022 mm. i'm not even watching anything from the 80s or 90s it's amazing um so it was adapted by hugh laurie oh. um of I guess Dr. House fame people from North America would know him <laughs> as mostly, but of course he is British and very funny individual. And Veep, I think, um, Veep, I think a lot of people know him from Veep as well. I think it was on uh, Veep. Know him from what, sorry? Veep. Oh, Veep. Oh, I didn't realize. I haven't seen Veep. I didn't realize he was on Veep. Uh, well, there we are. Um, so basically it is a one-off book uh, that was adapted called Why Didn't They Ask Evans? Um, by, of course, Agatha Christie, um, and it is a three-episode adaptation, and it is fan-frickin-tastic. Uh, the two main characters, Will and Lucy, are played by these young actors that are have a lot of charisma, really good chemistry. It's just a, a lot of fun. Um, and uh, the actor that plays Will... Um, Oh, sorry. No, he plays Bobby Jones. He plays Bobby. Um, but his name is Will, Will Poulter. He's going to be playing, um, oh, uh, uh, gold, wizardy, Marvel Universe happening soon. Gold, character. wizardy, Marvel Universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Adam, Adam Warlock? No, Adam Warlock. Adam Strange is DC. Yeah, I'm confused. You, you said Gold Wizard, and I thought Dr. Fate, and Pierce Brosnan was playing Dr. Fate, so I knew it wasn't him. Anyway. Adam Warlock. I was supposed to be playing Adam Warlock, I believe. Um, so, yeah, so that was interesting. I didn't realize he was in this, and then, yeah, there it was. Uh, but it was, it was fantastic. Um, set in the 1930s. Uh, just so much fun. And it's nice that it's sort of like this one little series. Um I'm hoping they don't have, like, Agatha Christie didn't write another book featuring the two characters, but I am hoping that maybe they adapt something else and just sort of 
put them in there because they really did have great chemistry. Caitlin. Um, yeah. Why didn't they ask Evans? Uh, well, if I told you, I would ruin <laughs> the mystery. Fine. Moving on. <laughs> um, I caught up with Heron's run the show. Uh, she hurt oh, her foot. She hurt her foot, Caitlin. She hurt her foot helping them. And she's just trying so hard. God, are you caught caught up? Like to five or, or just four? Uh, five. Oh, my God. So I was trying to explain to Caitlin over, over Messenger that my, <laughs> my discovery that uh, idol group in the show Lip Lip was like a previously existing virtual idol group that like put out songs for like a bunch of years before this anime. Um, and again, I, I start feeling I'm literally falling into the matrix if I talk about this shit too much. But anyway, they existed <laughs> and they were putting out songs. They're not real people. They're just like image characters. Um but one of the songs they had in their repertoire was a song called Romeo, which I was one of my favorite songs on the Bang Dream Tappy Tap game. The stupid bear band did it. And it was like a good song. I had, I, had a, I loved playing it. Amazing bear band. Thank you very much. Yes, we love the bear band. Um, <laughs> hello, happy world. We love the bear band. So when they do their show and I'm just like, okay, this is going to be cool, whatever. And then they go, Romeo. And start to, I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> Yeah. And I marked out, Caitlin, I marked out like I was at the show. <laughs> Did you wave your, your I, wand I, I, I had the glow sticks going. It was, it was popping. <laughs> anyway, uh, you were enjoying it still? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's I so, am. It's and then, so but, good. But who is this new guy? I Did we know? I, no, we don't know who he is. Why does he need anyone to wait for him? What is going on? I told you romance was coming for this. They weren't going to let romance not happen. I know, but like, I do love that she was like, so she's, she's had this dream that she's married both of them. Yes. Um, which is funny because in, even in the dream, she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> she's like, this is weird. And then she's kind of sort of maybe embarrassed around them because of the stupid dream. And then they're mean to her. And she's like, why would I ever think about that? I hate these people. <laughs> She's just so angry. Uh, I love it. And then, yeah, at the end when they, like, you know, change the encore to say thank you to her, which yeah. just inspires her to stay on because her contract was supposed to be up. They ask her to re-up. And she's like, no, I came here to run. Like, this is taking this is taking too much time away from that. And then she's so inspired. The concert makes her realize what's awesome about idols, and she wants to keep helping them. And she's like, I can do both. And they're like, well, what the fuck did we change the encore for? <laughs> They're still dicks to her. Oh, I love them all so much. <laughs> They're so dumb. I hate them. They're so mean to her. <laughs> At least they stop calling her potato face. Say pre precious potato face. Yeah. Uh, but, so yeah, and then um, I finished watching Moon Knight. Um. Yep. That's. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the final word on Moon Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did love her getting yes. superpowers. She looked amazing. She little, was so cool. Little on the nose. Little backslappy when the uh, when the save civilian was like, "Are you an Egyptian superhero?" She was like, "Yes." It's like Marvel. It's like the the Jesus and Mero neon sign came up above her head and said, "Representation." Good for you, Marvel. Jesus. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It was. It was a little too on the nose. That. Um. I did like though. I I happened to watch some video about. 
someone who was Egyptian watching it. Mm. And they're like, yes, they were so <laughs> excited. Um, and I thought that was nice. But um, as, as we like to say, if they just had all that representation all the time, they wouldn't have to do that. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, that was it basically besides the things we watched um yeah so the things we watched took up a lot of time this week um so i didn't have a ton of extra time to watch stuff um we talked about a lot of the stuff i already watched uh keeping up on my other animes spy family and dance dance danceur um spy family i saw a tweet somewhere that was like people are mad that people aren't calling spy family a masterpiece they're just enjoying it or like they're mad that it's not a masterpiece and it's not a masterpiece i think i was led to believe that given the sales of the manga this was going to be like ranking of kings for me and it's just cute and fun yeah i was just gonna say they have a cute kid and very very obviously a kid show uh the plot this week was so she gets into the school and as a thank you they plan this whole like because she loves a uh a cartoon about spies and they plan a whole, like, you know, essentially role play where she gets kidnapped by the guy with the poofy hair and Lloyd has to save her type of thing. But <laughs> there's a moment where, because again, bearing in mind, the whole plot is nobody knows what each other actually is. Nobody knows Lloyd's a spy. Nobody knows Yor is a assassin. Nobody knows Anya can read minds. Right. But there's a moment where so he's gone through all these things it's all charade he's hired a bunch of people from his agency to come in and like pretend to attack him with like you know paintball guns and shit um well he tries to save Anya from this fake kidnapping just to give her an adventure right and but then there's a moment where he gets to the final stage and Yor is hammered because they were drinking earlier (laughs) so she doesn't quite get what's going on and like goes at him full force (laughs) like you will never kidnap princess Anya (laughs) And he's like, York, calm down. Like, what is happening? And she goes full at him, and it's animated so, like, awesomely. Like, her spin kicks and the way she's attacking him and stuff. And then because she's drunk, she slips on her heel and falls and falls asleep. <laughs> it was dope. Uh, also, shouts on that show. I was not expecting to for the video for the ending theme to drop this week and to have subtitled lyrics that demolished me. <laughs> okay. Hoshino Gen, calm down. <laughs> The song is called Kigeki, which uh, translates to comedy. Um, and when you see the sub lyrics, it's basically like the video is him like living alone and finding these like puppet characters All right. who he then lives with, and they have a wonderful life, and they blow bubbles and make sandwiches and stuff. Um, oh my god! But there was one line, and the lyrics are basically like, you know, what do you want to eat? What happened today? Those are the things I want to talk about with you. Every day is a comedy with you. Blah blah blah. We'll be happy living our ridiculous life type of thing. On the second course, there is a line that is translated uh, as want to live as long as we can. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Not me crying in the club at work. Good Lord. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard you in my never, life. Like, you never look up the lyrics. You never read the comment section. You know the rules, it was, Jordan. It was just a fun little bop. And then like, that's the most beautiful line I've ever heard. Jesus. Uh, anyway, shouts to Hoshino again. And it's, you know how some shows have like openings you never skip. I never skip the ending to, to Spy Family. I love right. the, I love the ending of that show. Um, last thing I want to talk about, which was probably my homework, my vegetables for the week. That is the first two episodes that we run. We own the city. 
which I talked about a few weeks ago as being the uh, return to Baltimore for the creators of The Wire. Um, so this is written and produced by David Simon and George Pelicanos of The Wire fame and directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, who uh, most notably for most folks uh, is known as the director of King Richard, a little movie that you may have heard of in the last month. Um, and yeah, it's basically about, based on a true story about this um, task force in this police task force in Baltimore that uh, just got busted for rampant corruption. Um, right. And some people have been like, oh, this is a corrective to The Wire. Like, The Wire was some big piece of propaganda, which it's not really. Like, I think Simon still respects police officers, especially homicide cops. Um, right. Maybe less drug and gun cops, where it's easier to, you know, skim money off and shit like that. But, um the wire was about how the system fucks everybody, no matter what side of that equation you're on. And this is kind of doing a similar thing. It stars John Bernthal, um, in the lead. And it is firmly rooted in the David Simon school of fuck you storytelling, which is just figure it out. Dummy. (laughs) Who are these people? How do they know each other? We're going to jump through three different time periods. Okay. Figure it out. Dummy. (laughs) How's this all going to tie together? I don't know. But it's like, even all that said, it doesn't feel like as much of a, I always shit on it all the time and I generally liked it ultimately, but it does not slog as much as Tokyo Vice did. Um, and I was like disappointed when a new episode wasn't up yet, uh, this morning. Well, that's always a good sign. Before we recorded. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's not anything I could like recommend anyway. It's not scintillating television. Um, but you definitely... Again, it's like, do you want to see how these systems fail or what's wrong with policing? <laughs> okay. It's not, and it's also not exactly, uh, you know, pat yourself on the back for being woke white liberals. Like it's not quite doing that either. Um, which is good. Um, so it's just, it's an impossible show to really explain. Um, right. but just, I think it's also kind of showing like when you're fucked from jump, it shows obviously it, within one episode, it shows the John Bernthal character, his first day on the job, getting told by the guy training him, whatever they taught you, the, the Academy, forget it. Um, when the mandate for them is clear the streets every night, just clear the streets. Cause it, cause they want gun violence down. So if they're not on the streets, they can't shoot each other. That's the logic. Oh my God. So you just arrest them for nothing. And then you get them in there into central booking and they sign something. I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically like you basically cop to whatever they don't get a charged and they get to go home that night. So you're basically just arresting these people to take them somewhere to keep them there for a few hours and then let them out by morning. You know, there's a, there's a much better way to do that, right? What's that Kate? It's to give people things to do. Oh, okay. okay. Social programs supporting the community. <laughs> what? Yeah. Are you insane? Literally, they've been talking about that for years. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> Madness. But then, obviously, you know, then it jumps ahead a few years and you see, now John Berthold's got somebody to train and he's doing the same shit. Right? He's he's parroting whatever he was told when he came in. Because it's just, how it's been is how it's going to be. Um, so, again, not, not a fun watch. It's fabulously directed. All the actors are amazing. 
and you'll see a lot of familiar faces from The Wire doing different things, uh, which is nice. It's weird to see Marlo Stanfield, like, emote. <laughs> Jamie Hector, who played Marlo Stanfield, is playing this, uh, I think he he's playing somebody who will be revealed was on Bernthal's task force and then moved to Homicide. So to watch him being, like, empathic when talking to someone's, you know, wife whose her husband was murdered, it's like, this is odd. Please don't scream my name is my name at her. Uh, <laughs> You're having like nom flashbacks. <laughs> yes, Marlo was terrifying, y'all. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's on. It's on Crave HBO Max. If you liked The Wire, and not everybody did, I've, I've been countering a lot of people lately when talking about this show who are like, what? I never watched The Wire. Um, you know, a lot of people out there haven't seen it, and I try not to be one of those like, how have you never watched The Wire, people? Because um, I gave the I started giving The Wire a rewatch not too long ago, and it's real weird to be like, watch these cops being like, what is he doing? It's called a text message. <laughs> because <laughs> the wire the wire was old man the wire was like damn near pre-internet yeah anyway it's a dope show if you like the wire i can't see how you would not like this um i think it's only going to be six episodes it's a really limited limited series but interested to see how that'll play out like i said it's vegetables but sometimes you need vegetables before you eat your slop and uh that's what we're gonna do after this break we're just gonna pull up to the trough yep Right eating, up to it. Just start eating some slop. Maybe we'll rinse it with something delicious for dessert, but... Oh, boy. Beefy Bubble Boys only. Coming for you. <laughs> right after... Right after this break. And welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we have brought each other. Things! Things. As Jordan mentioned, uh, this week we hit kick, kicked it old school um, and went back to both bringing things to the table, kind of. Mostly I was just excited that two things were out with very close titles. Jesus. <laughs> and so I was like, would you do this? Because... I'm a dork, uh, and I like things that match. Um, but before we get into it, and we will get into it, we have some rules. Yep. The, the first rule being the rule of three, which is if the thing comes apart, so we will watch three of them. These do not. These are both movies. Did not apply. Did not apply. Uh, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod, which is the rule that we will not talk about these things before we are sitting in front of these microphones so that you, our lovely listeners, get the freshest, hottest of takes. Oh, it was, it was locked and loaded, y'all. It was locked and loaded. And then yeah. I took a breath and I did not hit send to maintain oh. the integrity of rule <laughs> two. I thankfully found someone who had seen. I had I had no one, first, Caitlin. I had no one. First, so I we just like we 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 talked about it instead oh of me God. firing off a thousand God, just, uh, just messages just to you through hurry, Facebook. Hurry up, so we can do this. Um, the third rule. It is not really a rule. It is more of a policy. Is that there will be spoilers? I guess it's complicated. Girl, but if you're like, girl, I don't whatever. Know, if you're like, I don't want to know anything, I don't want to know anything, then this would be your time to leave and go go watch these movies. Maybe just read the Wikipedia synopsis. Mm. Um, maybe not even that. Go watch something else. 
Um, and with all that out of the way, uh, we will get into it. The first movie is The Bubble. The second movie is called Bubble. The first movie um, is... So, no, hold on. So this started because as we were <laughs> wrapping up last week, I said, um, what are we going to do for next week? Is that Bubble anime out? We saw the trailer. We both kind of dug the trailer. Like, is yeah. that out yet? I think it's out. And we could do that. And Caitlin's like, yeah, let's do that. And the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, that sounds stupid, but <laughs> let's do it anyway. Yeah. That's how we ended up here. So I want you all to know, I just want you to know it was her idea. <laughs> uh, I didn't know what I was getting into. Right? Um, so the the first film is the bubble um it is the 2022 american comedy film directed by judd apatow from a screenplay co-written with pam brady um the film features an ensemble cast that includes karen gillen iris apatow fred armison maria bakalova david duchovny keegan michael key leslie mann kate mckinnon pedro pascal guz khan peter sarah finowitz and harry Trevaldwin? Trevaldwin, I think. Um, the best thing is this line um, right right near the top of the Wikipedia page, which says, The Bubble was released on April 1st, 2022 by Netflix. The film received negative reviews from critics. And just, I really just, don't... Just hurry, just hurry up. Just hurry up. Um, <laughs> tweet about this. Um... Sometimes it's good to watch bad movies to let you know what a good movie mm. looks like. <laughs> you can only know light when you know dark, Jordan. Um, this movie was directed and written by Judd Apatow, which still, like, I, and produced by Judd Apatow. And as I say it, I just don't understand. Like, I'm not a huge Judd Apatow fan, but this was bad. Um Basically, it's about a bunch of actors filming a stupid action franchise movie um, in a bubble to keep away from COVID. And it is dumb and not in a good way. And at times you think it's going, <laughs> it's going to, like, and near the beginning, you're like, okay, like, it's not great, but you think it's going to be okay. It's not. It's so bad. Um I don't even know if it's so bad it's good. Um, it's just really bad. The only part, the only parts that were good were the the TikTok dances um, and the weird romance between the Pedro Pascal <laughs> character and I think it's Maria Bakalova. I think that's who the actress is. Yes, it is. Um, those were the only good parts. <laughs> That's it. Caitlin, I'm going to start by answering your question. You asked, you don't know if it's so get bad it's good? No. No. It's not so bad it's good. I know we have watched worse things for this show. Objectively, I know this. Yes. I gave three hours of my life to Southland Tales. I know I've watched worse things than this movie. <laughs> but Southland Tales, for all of its failures, was trying something. Failed completely, yeah. but tried something. This isn't even trying anything. Who is this I for? Who I is don't know. I don't know what. I feel like the initial concept was funny. 
like it was like this group of actors like go to work narcissistic actors go to work on a movie in a bubble during covid um but it was like i was like at times i was like is it trying to be dark um but it doesn't succeed at that. And at times I was like, they're kind of insanity. Like there's, there was no like progression. It was just sort of like weird dips. And Listen, I have heard, like, I have heard in my life that one of the reasons why Netflix was so appealing to people in the early stages, in the, in the um, Cindy Holland days, perhaps that we talked about last week is Netflix never gave any notes. Y'all, right. some of y'all motherfuckers need notes. <laughs> Yeah. Badly. And also, I think I said this, I think I said this last week. Maybe it was the week before. But do script doctors not exist anymore? Oh, my God. Just. Like, is this just like a job that doesn't there, exist? There was no plot. Like, the plot is ultimately, they decide they want to leave. Yeah. And the studio won't let them. Yeah. Because they need that... to finish the movie. Also. Movies about movies are like when writers write books about writers. It's just a hat on a hat. Like, who is this for? This is, I don't need this. This isn't, like, very, this isn't very ladylike or very proper, but it's basically masturbating into a mirror. Like It is. Like, who are these jokes for? These jokes are for industry people. Like, And even then, I don't think a lot of the things they talk about in the industry are le- legitimate. Like, I was like, that's not a thing that happens in movies. Um, and, like, and it could. And what's weird is you can you could see the potential. Like I could see the potential. Like it had a lot of great actors, right? Um, but they didn't seem to be used well. Um, and I just, yeah, they they're just. It could have been so much better. And I'm just so confused. That's what I. That when we I ended the film, basically that was the main emotion I came out with. It was confusion. Oh, I ended the film wanting an apology. <laughs> um, y'all, I I cannot express to you just how meandering and bad oh, this meandering is. Meandering is a great word. It cannot manage all the characters that are in it at all. No, no. It tries to make this star of Karen Gillan, and I Karen Gillan's fine. It's trying to make a star out of Iris Apatow, who oh. does a better job than Karen Gillan ultimately, probably. But yes, still. When you put your daughter third billing, I'm not saying she's not lovely, but you are the writer and director and it stars your wife and your daughter. Yeah. And we see what we have. No shots to Leslie Mann ever in life. She's a goddamn treasure, but. She is. But yeah, it cannot manage any of these characters. There are too many characters. And it got like, there were moments of like weird darkness that like when the Leslie Mann character got her hand hand shot shot off. Yeah. And you're like, oh, was it just a great... Because that kind of would have been funny. But, like, her actually getting her hand shot off was really fucked up. Like, it was like, what the... Like, it just... Well, and then I thought that's what it was going to be. It was going to be there now all being literally held hostage to, like, that degree. Which they imply, and Karen Gillan wants to leave so bad and is trying to, like, escape. But it's never, like, fully committed to as a plot point. Like... No, nothing is committed to. It's meandering. Nothing's committed to. They can't handle the characters. It was. It a... keeps on trying to make the Karen Gillan character like a main perspective character, but she's not likable. She, there's, I mean, 
Karen her, Gillan's sorry, fine. I her, don't love her as an actor. Her at her arc, as it were, is they're filming. I think Cliff. They're in this franchise called Cliff Beasts. Which, apparently, this film was inspired by the production of Jurassic World Dominion. Which, I mean, uh, how could you make a bad movie with that source material? Um, yeah. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> who, who asked for that? This is clearly some motherfuckers who, during a pandemic, did not have enough to do. And it's like, oh, that's a fascinating yeah. story. I'm inspired. So, yes, the, the franchise that they're all working on here is called Cliff Beasts. And the Cliff Beasts are, like, sort of dragon dinosaurs. Flying dinosaurs. Um, yeah. And this is number five, I think, they're working on. And... The Karen Gillan character is has some animosity towards her because she dipped after three to go try and do something else, and she went and made a movie called Jerusalem Rising, I believe oh, it was that, called. That was the only funny part. <laughs> but I mean, they're taking shots at this fictitious movie called Jerusalem Rising. It's like it only got four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Girl, this movie only got twenty two. Like, yeah. <laughs> You were just setting yourself up for the biggest backfire in history by taking shots at a, quote, bad movie in a bad movie. It was the moment when, and this ties into another point about pandemic humor and satire, which I remember Larry David once said when he was asked about the the upcoming season of Curb, that just like, we all lived our pandemic story. We don't need to see it. Right. We don't need to see a pandemic story. And I felt that shit in my soul watching this, Caitlin. Right. We did not need this and also shit has moved so fast that like watching a movie where you have to quarantine for 14 days is like watching a silent film like <laughs> like oh word we, we were still doing that then that's cute mm-hmm. <laughs> you clearly are not caught up with us down at the taco restaurant breathing each other's droplets like that's where we are now like it was the moment where they were trying to like Beck shows up yeah to perform a virtual concert of ladies night by cool in the gang featuring uh the plot of cliff beasts and eventually warms over everyone in the audience or sorry the park you know the little patio that they're sitting on watching this on a screen where they're like dancing it's like a fucking musical number i was like what is this any there's so many moments i'm watching which like you just could cut snip 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 yeah cut the whole thing out I know I've seen worse movies, but I cannot, like... Not recently. Southland Tales did not make me angry like this movie made me. Like, <laughs> Southland Tales confused me. It upset me. It See, baffled from the, me. From the trailer, I knew it was going to be, like, stupid to some degree. I just didn't realize it was going to be so bad. Like, the only value this movie has is educational. <laughs> <laughs> not make a movie that gets 22 percent of rotten tomatoes like, like post this shit post this shit up on like what not to do do you need notes does your movie look like the bubble then yes you need notes you need notes and a script doctor like you lit- can you literally. know where to find jordan or uh, or myself we'd be happy to do it for like you john lithgow in it for like five minutes like what what yeah i don't know and even like i said it's trying pandemic humor but it's trying pandemic entertainment industry humor it's like oh man wasn't that funny when we all had to do zoom calls all the time and we could be on the same beach in fiji but you know not be able to talk to each other wasn't that funny (laughs) boy was it funny about as funny as me scurrying to the fresco at 7 30 a.m 
every morning with an anxiety stomach ache to try and get a loaf of bread. <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror, Apatow. <laughs> Fuck. This movie is a zero. It's a zero, kid. Uh, this, this movie is like a four. It's because it, we always say like it succeeded being a movie. It did it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it wasn't good. It was, it was a movie in as much as I watched like film footage happen <laughs> in more or less sequential order for over two hours. I will say, who who played Howie? Do you have that in front of you? Who played Howie? Which one was Howie? Howie was the dude with the beard, oh, the Pakistani Gus guy. Khan. Who's that? Gus Khan. Gus Khan. He's a really well-known British comedian. I don't know how much he's leaning into his old ac- his own accent, but I love that accent. I don't know what part of England it's from, but it's... Uh, I think it's South London. He got me a couple. He got me a couple laughs, and the dudes who were playing like the CGI the stunt cliff guys. Piece, yes, the stunt guys yeah. got maybe one smirk out of me. But y'all, it's a two-hour movie. Yeah, it was way too it's long. A two-hour movie, and you will no amount of laughing will wipe the sound of Beck vamping to "Ladies Night" by Cool and the Gang singing "Sophisticated Raptor." You better eat my whole asshole with this. You get the, 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 all of it. Fuck out of here. This movie. Because this is the only part that is important to me. He's from Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Glad we sorted that. Anyways, I like, I apologize, but like, I didn't know. Right. I, I. Listen, hating on a movie, it makes for good content. So I'm not even that mad at it. But, and I got a lot of uh, tweets read. While it was on, yes, there was oh, a lot of fun. Got, got a lot of chores done. <laughs> did some dishes. I just, I was also like Pedro Pascal. Why are you here? Sorry. Okay, the <laughs> one, the one thing Pedro Pascal, to his credit, is going for it. Yes, Pedro Pascal is not a dumb person. He's a very good actor, and he's not dumb. He knew what he was in. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee you, he knew what he was in. Keegan Michael Key, I'm not. I'm not always sure. I'm not always sure. Keegan Michael Key, Keegan Michael Key. Topic for another day. We need to have a sit down. <laughs> we need to have a sit down. Is this going to be like a new segment? Jordan needs to have a sit down with you. Because I, man, he's also on my. He's also on my homepage with that Michael Myers pro, or Mike Myers produced thing, and I'm like, mm, my man. We don't need you out here in the Love Guru reboot, my man. I know it's good to keep working, but. Pen click. Pen click. Call, call your man Mr. Peel and talk about selected projects, maybe. Anyway. Yeah. Um Yes, Pedro Pascal's uh questionable accent. I love that. In it. the actual scenes of the movie when they're filming, and it's literally like the subtitles are accent of unknown origin. <laughs> <laughs> because he's just doing uh the racist South American accent. Yeah. Um which he can because he's South American, <laughs> so he's allowed. Um, that his his delivery of that he's going for it. He's really trying, yeah, to, to elevate this at all. And you know, fine, you get a one. Pedro Pascal gets a one, gets this movie to a one. Pedro Pascal is a human, gets an eight. 
He does. He gets his mo- he gets his movie tool one. Do not watch it. Absolutely no. do not watch it. No, I literally would watch a movie about the Maria Bakalova character and Pedro Pascal. Like that is the yeah, movie. You, I want. you want to give me my spin-off movie of of the the concierge and Pedro Pascal struggling to accept her love? Fine. Give me that movie. Do yeah. not give me this movie. Anyway, moving on to the reason we had to watch that movie is the movie I actually wanted to watch, which I hope will fare a little better. Uh, and that was Bubble. Not The Bubble, just Bubble or Babadu, if you're reading the, the Katakana. This is a 2022 Japanese post-apocalyptic animated film produced by Wit Studio, directed by Tetsuro Araki and written by Gen Urobochi, and features character designs by Takeshi Obata and music composed by Hiroyuki Sawano. The film had early screenings at the Berlin International Film Festival in February 2022 and followed its worldwide release on Netflix April 28th of this year before it will be released theatrically in Japan in May. Um, let me see if I can get a brief plot here that doesn't give everything away. Uh, just regarding the pedigree of some of the names I listed off with Studio, we've talked about before. They did first season Attack on Titan, Cabinary of the Iron Fortress, Ranking of Kings, Tetsuro Araki directed that first season of Attack on Titan, and uh, Cabinary Gen Urobochi is best known for writing Madoka Magica. It's been some speculation of how much of this he wrote, or if it was more like a committee type thing. Someone pointed out the body count is very low <laughs> for a Gen Urobochi uh, story. Mm-hmm. But... Um, oh, and the character designer is, I believe, was the character designer on Death Note or maybe the illustrator on Death Note. I don't recall. But um, your plot is basically this. After bubbles that broke the laws of gravity rained down upon the world, Tokyo is cut off from the outside world and becomes a playground for a group of young people who have lost their families. That is really on the other end of the spectrum. I didn't read the Wikipedia one because it gave away everything. And that... Synopsis gives away nothing. Um, I'm conflicted about this one a little bit. Um, but Kate, what did you think of this one? There are two movies in this movie. <laughs> one movie is like a 10 and one movie is like a six. <laughs> both. And both better than the bubble. So we'll start there. Both better, better than the bubble. One movie is about parkour. <laughs> and one movie is about a race of alien bubbles <laughs> or intra interdimensional bubbles. I guess. I don't know. TBD anime hashtag anime. Hashtag anime. Um, and th- the, the beauty of this film. Gorgeous. Be, I, I literally cannot explain to you how beautiful this movie is. Yeah. This like, is just this is like the watch the the segments of them the the two main characters like bouncing on the bubbles like or bouncing on like using their like weird gravity or whatever to like jump the jumping scenes like are just mind-blowing okay so yeah sorry a little more plot here um so this, this bubble thing happened there was an explosion in tokyo there is a giant bubble over tokyo so around the world it is kind of alleviated and the rest of the world has kind of come back to normal and just in Tokyo, there's weird gravitational stuff. And I can, can you move freely between? I don't know if you can. They're trapped in there, right? It's unclear to me no. if they're choosing to be there 
Oh, or... they're choosing to be there. Okay, so they're all choosing. They had a to whole be there. like section where they where they showed like orphans and like young yes. men going into the bubble. Okay, I missed that then. Um, yeah. And gravity's a little wonky there. You have like debris and buildings just kind of like floating, and they basically play this parkour racing game um, for supplies, basically. Who runs it? Who provides the surprise? Yada yada. Who cares? Um, and that's and in one of these scenes, or sorry, during one of these races, Hibiki, our main character, um, falls into the water and he's getting dragged by like a passing <laughs> train or something um, that has been submerged, and he's about to drown. And as he like exhales, some of his breath, um collides with uh one of these sentient bubbles and then it like in a really cool sequence um like gestates into a physical form um which takes inspiration from like a movie ad Mm -hmm. but only half of it which is why her costume looks where her outfit looks kind of weird which i liked was a nice touch like half of the ad was rubbed off so she couldn't really form the whole outfit um and then they call her Uta because there's a song that he says only he can hear um, coming from the remains of Tokyo Tower. And so he names her Uta because he heard the song and she knows the song, whatever. Um, what does Uta mean? Uta means song or music. Oh, okay. Right um, and him and his team, his parkour team all live on this uh, Japanese Coast Guard boat. Um, again, see, the problem with this one is like if this... I struggle with it because if it was a show, it wouldn't have looked this good. And no. but if it was a show, it there would have been more. Okay, some of those dudes might have gotten names on the team, you know. Like, so here, here is here is the other issue: the plot is like someone cut a good plot and rearranged the pieces. There is no like it, it. There's no like consistent arc. Yeah, it's nothing. Very... And that's that's sorry. I didn't. I wanted to finish my thought, and then I'll clear the lane. Um, okay. The thing for me with this movie is, yes, you said it's gorgeous, which means when you're in it, you don't notice how threadbare the plot is. I didn't really until it was over, and then I thought back on it and went. Yeah, there wasn't really much there. <laughs> it was awesome to look yeah. at, but it really wasn't much much happening there. And I really think this is um, somebody somebody with a bag of money went to Tetsuro Araki and Wit Studio and said, "Please make us your name. <laughs> make us our team. Right. Make us our team love story. Those things make money like gangbusters." And they made this. And like you said, I totally agree with you. Parkour Sports League movie? Fantastic. Give me that. Love story about weird bubble girl and uh, possibly autistic main character. More on that in a bit. But um, their love story didn't have enough time to cook. It was undercooked. No, there was no love story. It was like she... Okay. (laughs) Go in, son. This could have, this is, okay, so not in this, okay, there's only two things that this mo- these movies have in common. Comparable titles, <laughs> and I could see 
up the possibility of a of a fun good movie in both of them now the bubble is a disaster and it would need a lot of work bubble didn't need that much work it just needed someone to fix the dialogue fix the like character reasonings for things and fix the plot they wanted all these beautiful scenes and it was like trying to uh wedge these beautiful scenes in a story and then like trying to like how do now how do we connect to these scenes and how do we connect but they weren't mm. good connections yeah. and that's not really a good way to write a story. Now you could have an idea, like a, a scene in your head that triggers an idea for a story. Um, but when you're doing it, cause you know, we want them to be here and they want them to be doing this thing. Um, it, it doesn't make sense. As an example, near the end, his team members, he goes to the tower. Yes. There's no reasoning why he actually never says, he knows that Utah's going to be there, but there's no, like, it could have been that's a one he, life. That's where life. he hears the song coming from, I guess. And yeah, it's established, no, he established that he's always been trying to get there. Yeah, but there's no, like, reasoning why he's trying to get there. If he even said, like, I'd really like to know where the song is coming from or things are going weird, I think we could fix it if I get to the tower and get to Utah. Okay, great. Second part. All of his team members come with him for zero reason. They don't ever say, like, we think he's going to need help getting up there. We want to help you. Like, it, it was like, okay, all putting yourself in danger because did we see the guy with the prosthetic leg be fucking amazing? And it was a really cool scene. Oh, my Absolutely. God. My, my heart when he when his when his prosthetic shattered after he uh, shot Hibiki up towards the tower. I was like, <gasps> yeah. And like. It, that like you can see okay they helped him but there was no like reasoning before that it wasn't like we need we feel like we're gonna need to, he's gonna need all the help he can get like and they I, do I this think, all the time i think it put a, i think that scene put a lot of weight on this notion that he hibiki asked for help because he was so isolated before that which again taught leading about the un, the undercooked things in this movie um which seems more interested in doing you know really cool chase and you know parkour scenes which again cannot be understated are flawless so good. any of those races are you can see the skilled hand of the direction there and how the camera is organized and and how it moves around the characters and things like that i said earlier hibiki is possibly autistic because it's alluded to it's not alluded to it's stated that before the accident he had auditory hypersensitivity he had to wear noise-canceling headphones because just the noise of the city was always too much for him. They show him being tested. They show the really tragic sort of, like, recusal of his mother who just, like, leaves him in a center, mm. like a sort of a sort of a special needs center. Um, it never really reckons with if he is or not. Um, he is somewhat antisocial he only really connects with uda i did read some reddit posts that theorized on on uh from members of that community who were theorizing on whether or not the character was or was not so i think part of this is why i say i think part of um it's implied that the fact that he asked one of his teammates to go with him was 
doing a lot of the heavy lifting there, and that would have meant a lot for everyone else on the team. And they just kind of chalk it up to like she's our teammate. You met her a week. And also, you met her a week ago, yeah, but. Exactly. And everyone's like, bring her back, and like in tears. And I'm like, you met her like four days ago. Calm <laughs> down. Um, there was also a lot of added stuff about like when she touches him, she turns to bubble, which I was like, that was not needed. I think, like, yeah, I, uh, that's because I think if you go back and look, it happens every time something. But why touching him does it, but standing on a, you know, holding a fork doesn't. I don't know, but. <laughs> I think the implication is like she, because she's made of bubbles, her physical form is susceptible to like quote unquote popping, but I figured it had something to do with him or any, anyways, I just didn't think that was needed. The weird, very anime, like space (laughs) interdimensional monster God (laughs) that was made out of bubbles. Um, what? (laughs) And then like the ending, just like, what? And like she's in all the bubbles now. I, everyone's light. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, th- like and again, like we understand it's a it's a reference to the Little Mermaid. You did not need to hit us over the head with it. They so many times really did. It didn't it didn't bother me a ton, but every time I'm not gonna lie, I'm susceptible to to these things. Every time she like made sense of the world by quoting the Little Mermaid, I was like. All right. And I'm not going to lie. I found it the whole, I, for the visual aspect, when she finally like dissolves at the end, I found that relatively moving. And body horror? <laughs> like, hello. Like, oh my it's God. Ju- it's just bubbles, Kate. Yeah, except like he, she's like melting away to bubble and he's trying to like scoop them up yeah, to like that, get that, them that back. Was, that, was a, that was a rough hang. Um, shouts also, got to say it. I love a beer-swilling uh, older lady <laughs> scientist in my anime. So, shouts to Makoto. <laughs> Give me the Makoto for, show. Sorry, for reasons we need to we need to talk about. Like, she's a scientist who supports this parkour team <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> for reasons, and just I mean, she's literally like the voiceover. <laughs> she's like, oh, this doesn't make sense. Let me discuss my readings that I'm finding. Yeah, and like, listen, this is not a not unclumsy movie. Like I said, this is. Although I will say, the one thing I was let down by this is Tetsuro Araki mm-hmm. here. This is the guy who brought us Mikasa and uh, what's her face from Cabinary, the the train driver. Where where's my muscle lady? Yeah, I was fully expecting Makoto at one point or to have ripped the sleeves off for sure and just have like fucking gun, <laughs> guns for days. But I was like, damn man. Um, yeah, it's like it was definitely a thing where like I was swept up with it in the moment because it's so gorgeous you guys unbelievable it looks so good and it's so well directed when it's like moving even when it's not moving the scene with the two of them in his little um the one scene that i think is supposed to like see they love each other um of him in his little like rooftop garden and it's like oh i come up here don't tell anybody about this place because they'll make fun of me um that's gorgeous and that's not you know and well shot and that's not that's a super that's not a super hyperkinetic uh, moment either, but but that's one of the scenes I'm talking about. Like we have this really good idea for like this cool rooftop garden scene, and we're just gonna like wedge it <laughs> in somewhere into the, into this film. Yeah, so not not a perfect, not the most anime anime movie I've ever seen. It's definitely an anime movie. Um, <laughs> everyone is bubbles. 
<laughs> and like you have to th- I mean this is for okay just full disclosure this movie gets a seven literally they made a movie about bubbles and it's it's so beautiful and I just I keep on being like but bubbles guys bubbles but like even like even the cool things that are in there like never gets enough time like that fucking undertaker team <laughs> the the vortex the the train the, that the, like the antlion pits the undertaker team that has like the the weird like automated they just have like a speaker on their hand and they don't speak they just use that thing like like why what's going on and they, wear and, then... and they have financing who's financing them like yeah, like again like literally two movies that were like they tried to just two, smash two them movies together. two movies and a spin-off uh 13 episode series are like all cooking within this thing yeah um, Although, y'all, you want to make the bubble PS5 game. I hope you're already at work on that. Seriously, you, give you me can my... use the, the Spider-Man like. You spy... <laughs> and... G- give me my give me my Mirror's Edge, uh, you know, bubble hopping parkour racing game. I'm I'm here for that. You will get my money on day one, day and date for that. Um, yeah, I think seven's a fair grade for this one. It's definitely it definitely. I, really get... want it. I want to give it more, but I I just can't. It's definitely a throwback to, like, my days where I would buy, like, DVDs sight unseen. Like, it just, the back looked cool, or maybe I'd seen the trailer on something else, and then I saw the DVD at the movie store. And then you got home, and it's like, oh, no, you were just pretty. You were just a bimbo of a movie. Like, that's, and that's fine. Just, I'm, in, I'm in. You just look real good, but there's not much, not much going on under the hood there. And, I mean, that's a little disappointing given the pedigree of the people involved here, but, I mean,. I'm not going to say I, I'm not going to say you need to watch the bubble before this movie to make it good. It's good on its own, but I mean, you will you will be left with the feeling that it's a bit of a nothing burger when when it's all said and done. Yeah, and but I I mean honestly, just to watch it, I think it's just like I can't even recommend that for. We joked about watching the bubble to be like, don't make this kind of film, but really you don't have to. Um, but I just feel like with the bubble just to watch it for how beautiful it is and what you can do with animation um, is it's enough uh, for me to recommend it, but it, it just, it's so frustrating because you can see the possibility of there being a really interesting, cool story there. Um, they just sort of drop the ball or drop the bubble in places. <laughs> and on that note, y'all, <laughs> these are both on, <laughs> These are both on Netflix. Uh, if you want to yell at us because you watched the bubble, despite our uh, warnings and and mandates not to, you can yell at us on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That is where we will be. Otherwise, we will get back at you next week, y'all. Thank you so much for hanging with us for an hour and change every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you join us next week for another fan-freaking-tastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Sorry, what was that? Do you remember that kid what? Remember that kid on Old Enough was like... And then, and then stomped. <laughs> that's that's how I feel about this forthcoming yeah. discussion. Uh huh. <laughs>